Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you today. Uh, I'm Brian Wilmarth. I'm one of the pastors. If we haven't met before, um, so glad that you're here. And uh, we hope you feel welcome uh, by joining us today. Uh, and if you haven't already, maybe swing by the Connections Desk. We'd love to just get to know you a little bit better. Hopefully we can answer any questions that you might have today. I want to add one quick thing um, just to, by way of announcement and to share with you. So one of the, uh, the things that we've done consistently over the years is we've done a school supply drive. And uh, we primarily did that for District 50 in Washington. Well, obviously with the changes over the last year, we're kind of like, okay, how do we need to, to tackle this? Well, I'm glad to say that we will still continue to be able to do the school supply drive. Particularly, we're going to partner with Connect Church in Washington, and we're going to be able to host it in town. We're working out all the details and all that kind of stuff, but I'm glad to say that we're going to be able to do that this year. So I share that with you right now because now's the time to start collecting school supplies. I know it's already, it's July 1st, right? But like school supplies is already on the radar. So uh, we will have a list for you very soon. We'll probably send that out via email and then have it available on Sunday mornings. But feel free to go out and start purchasing some of these school supplies. We'd love to collect as much as we can. We'd love to be able to bless 300 kids and families. Um, So that's kind of our target goal. So um, go out this week or or plan it in the next couple of weeks where you can go out and buy some of these supplies and then drop them off here at the church. We'll communicate more details uh, in the very near future. Likely the end of July, beginning of August is when we'll actually host the drive. So uh, for now... Go start purchasing things, and we'll communicate more details to come in the next few weeks. So glad we can still do that. We're excited to be able to partner with Connect and be able to bless Washington and the surrounding area with these school supplies. So uh, as we turn uh, now our attention to God's Word, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you that we can gather together, that we get to come to you, Lord, that we get to learn and be transformed by you. God, we don't simply want head knowledge we don't want to be just told what, uh, what we should know. We want to be different. We want to be changed. We want uh, to receive from you your likeness. So God, I pray that today as we dive into our new series, as we dive into your word, Lord, would you begin to change us slowly, piece by piece, area by area of our life, that we look more and more like you, Lord. Thank you, God, for meeting us today. We're grateful for that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So this weekend, uh, my family and I, we went up to Chicago for just a brief overnight. Um, Our kids, they love Legos, and they had been saving their money to buy a couple of key Legos that they'd want to buy. So we went to Legoland in Schaumburg. So that was the whole point of the trip, like to go up there to kind of experience Legoland and and to buy these these toys that they'd been working hard to build. Now, for all of you parents, um, I'm going to say something and you're going to know exactly what I mean. There is a difference between a vacation and a trip, right? Uh Uh-huh. There's a big difference between a vacation and a trip. Now, this one I'm grateful to say we had fun and it was pretty relaxing overall. It's pretty simple. But you can go on a vacation and be restful and enjoy it. And you can go on a trip where you're back and it's like, I'm more tired than I left. Like, you know, you, and you can have that, right? 
Well, one of the things our kids sometimes like to do in a hotel is like, hey, mom, will you sleep with me? Dad, will you sleep with me? So we'll divide up and all that. And inevitably, it's going to be one of those like, oh, I'm not going to sleep well. Well, I actually did this time around. It was pretty good. But those, those times happen where you just, you don't sleep well. You're, you're worn out. You're coming back to work. And maybe you take some time off and it's like you got to catch up and all that kind of stuff. Like, and it just feels like that rest piece, that vacation piece, that rest it's really hard to come by sometimes, isn't it? Like we, we just, we, we want that, that moment. It's just like, okay, I feel rested. I feel rejuvenated. I feel refreshed. But it's hard to get that, isn't it? It's hard to have that restful posture. I contend with you that we, we long for it. We long for rest. And I think that's a good thing. We, we long to, to have that, that good, like restful kind of experience where we feel rejuvenated, we feel livened back up, right? Like that's, that's a good thing. But it's hard to come by. We, we sometimes don't know how to get at it. We're beginning a new series on Sabbath. And Sabbath is this idea of rest. Now, this is actually the second time that I've taught on it since I've been here. About a year and a half ago or so, we, we taught a series on, on Sabbath. We explored what, what is it all about, like how do we begin to practice it, and, and I hope that was a helpful series if you were here for, from it, uh, and maybe you remember it, maybe you don't, and that's okay. But um, like we, we hope that when we tackle this, this Sabbath question again, that we're going to be able to see what it is, but also what are the barriers, like, what's getting in the way of us practicing Sabbath? Like, when, when we want to go after it, like, what, what stops us? What, what acts as an obstacle, something that we ought to overcome? Like, what, what are the kinds of things that get in the way? And how do we overcome them? One of the assumptions that I'm going to make is that a lot of times those barriers, sometimes they can come from the outside, but more times than not, they're inside us. These barriers are, are self-generated, we cause them to be there. And so what I want us to see is that Sabbath can be a way where we receive more from the Lord, the good things that he has for us. So we've added this little subtitle. We want to celebrate what the good that has been created for us, like what's celebrated for our benefit. We want to, we want to celebrate this gift that Sabbath is. And so that's why we're tackling this series. We want to receive from the Lord the good gift that Sabbath is. And to do that, we're going to explore what are the things that get in the way of it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to kind of tackle the sermon in three parts. We're going to look at a text, and we're going to answer the question, what is Sabbath? Why do we need it? And what good it does for us? What is Sabbath? We're going to find out. Why do we need it? And what's the good thing that it does for us? And so to do that, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, if you would, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book of the Bible. We're going to see Moses sharing about Sabbath with, with the Israelite people. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn there. If you want to follow along the screen, the words will be up here. But essentially where we are is that the Israelites, they've been wandering the desert for 40 years. So they were rescued out of Egypt God said, hey, I want to make a covenant with you. Let's go to the promised land. But they kind of mess things up. And they wander in this, in this desert land for 40 years. Well, now, now they're ready. They're ready and about to enter into the promised land. And Moses is reminding them of all the things that they've been told already. 
He's reminding them of what God has, has taught them. And particularly, he's reminding them of the Ten Commandments. And so that's where we're going to pick up in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. So beginning at verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between you and the Lord to declare to you what the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord that he gave to you because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up on the mountain. And he said, verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now jump down to verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servant may rest as you do. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord brought you out of the land, out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. All right. So what we've got here is Moses reminding them of the Ten Commandments. And this is the the fourth one, the Sabbath day. And what he's saying is, like, you should keep the Sabbath. Remember how God taught you this, how he told you, like, keep the Sabbath day. Well, what is this Sabbath thing all about? The word means cease. It means to stop, to rest. So when you see that, that's, that's kind of the, the Hebrew idea behind it, ceasing. You're, you're not doing something that you were doing before. And so when he says Sabbath or Shabbat, he means cease, stop, rest. That's what, that's what the word means. But we see that it's not simply just a ceasing. There's a lot more loaded into it. Uh, and as the, the Bible progresses, so like when you're first introduced to it, all the way through the Old Testament into the New, it's being given this richer, more full meaning as you go. So fundamentally, it's about ceasing. But it's more than that. And so what they would do is they would take a day, so a 24-hour period, from Friday night to Saturday night. So as soon as the sun went down, that's when Sabbath started. And they'd continue in that posture until the sun went down again on Saturday night. So they had a 24-hour period. And they wouldn't do any work. Now, now if you notice, like in a couple of these verses, he's kind of explaining a little bit about what this is all about. So I want to kind of walk back through verses 12 through 14. And we'll just see a little bit of what this fleshing out of Friday night to Saturday night looks like. So it begins back in verse 12 to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now that word holy has a little bit of baggage for us, right? We think of God is holy. He's perfect and, and he's good and, and right. And, and so we load it up with this language, which is true. It, it, this is what the word means. But fundamentally, the definition is set apart. Holy means set apart or distinguished, different. So what God's saying is here, you're to work six days, 
You labor for six days, but then the seventh day is holy. You keep it set apart. It's distinct. It looks different than all the others. So it is holy. It's set apart. It's to be intentionally different. Okay, so set apart. And he says, six days, you labor. You work. You do what you're you're supposed to do. Now, one thing to note is that work, labor, this, this doing kind of thing, is actually a good thing. It was there in creation before the fall happened, before sin and brokenness entered. God said, Adam, Eve, I want you to work the garden. You have a job to do. Work is good. Work is something that we're supposed to do, and it can be in fulfilling and, and right and proper. Work is a good thing. So when you hear six days you shall labor, it's not like, oh, six days, we got to go through all this. Like, No, it's actually six days you, you do the good thing that you're to do. And so hold that in your mind because that, that's important. We're to work. We're to, to work six days, but the seventh, the seventh is to be different. So we're working six days. So then in, in verse 14, seventh is a day set apart to the Lord your God. He says, to the Lord your God. It's not just a day where it's like, okay, now we have something different and kind of whatever. Like, no, no, no. It's oriented to him. It's set apart to him, for him. We orient ourselves to the Lord on that seventh day. So we're, we're not to just do work and then kind of whatever. Like, now we turn our attention to the Lord. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. That seventh day is to be oriented to him. So it's set apart. We do six days of work, which is good, but that seventh is oriented to him. Now notice what comes next. Like he's talking like you don't do any work, but neither do your sons and daughters. Neither do your servants. Even your animals, they, they're not going to do any work. And then he even goes as far as to say the foreigners among you, the people who aren't aligned with you, don't practice things like you, but they, they're to do this too. They're to rest as you do. See, God is pointing to this reality like everybody's to participate in this. It's not like, oh, some of you get to do this. Like, no, 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 everybody gets to join in. This is for all. Not just for you, not just for you, but for everyone. And everyone gets to rest, regardless of status, position, power. Everyone gets to rest. So like this, this is the loaded meaning that's beginning to be given to this idea of ceasing. Sabbath is not just a stop. This is a day that has so much more to it. So when you see Sabbath, here's what I want you to, to think of. It's a day that's set apart to the Lord for all to rest. That's not surprising. But, but catch all that. Like it is a day set apart to the Lord for all to rest. Is this true for you? I'm curious if, if you look at this and it's like, okay, yeah, I don't really do that. Or I don't really see that happening around me. Like, this kind of feels foreign. And maybe some of you are like, oh, yeah, I practice Sabbath and, I, and that's part of my rhythm. But I'm just curious, like, do you do, you do this? Do you feel like this marks you, this characterizes you, this is true for you? I want to contend, and I'm going to make the assumption that for most of us, it's not. For me, I practice Sabbath. Like, I I choose to do this. And yet, 
I don't know that this is always true for me either. I'll even be honest with you, like even the last few weeks, I actually haven't kept my Sabbath day the last few weeks or so. Uh, we had an elder retreat in there, and then there was a funeral for Tom Sullivan, and, and several of these things that are good and important things, but I let them intrude into my Sabbath. Why? I think there's more going on for us than simply just a matter of scheduling kinds of things. I think for us as human beings in this day and age, we are moved, we are compelled to do more. When we don't practice Sabbath, there's a reason for that. There's a whole bunch of competing ideas, I think, that are driving us. Uh, Sabbath, typically for Christians, is kind of a Sunday sort of thing. That doesn't have to be the rule, just to hear me say, like, Sunday is, is a work day for me. Like, I'm working right now. This is not a Sabbath. So, like, Sabbath doesn't always have to be Sunday. But do you have a Sabbath in your week? I bet most of us don't. And it's because we're driven. We, we, we've got to work. Maybe for you, your job, it's like, man, that 40-hour work week would be nice. I've got to put in 60. Uh, 60 hours is like the minimum or the normal. Like, you know, 40-hour work week doesn't, just, that doesn't work for me. I'm working all seven days in the week. Maybe for you, it's like, man, our kids, they're, they're in travel, baseball, and soccer, and, and we've got to go to football, and it's like all the things on the weekend, like, we don't really have Sabbath for that. Or it's like the weekend or the days off, it's like, I got to get my house projects done. Like, we're re- re- rebuilding the deck, and we've got to finish this thing, and it's like, suddenly, like, where are you giving your time? Or maybe you've got some downtime. It's like, yeah, I can find a little bit of time, but what do you do with it? Well, I scroll social media. I watch Netflix. Like, is, is this Sabbath? I don't think so. I don't think we're the people in our day and age where, I don't think we practice this because we're compelled we're compelled to do more. We've got to do more. We feel this drive to do more. I think we do all of these things because we need them to do something for us. Because we're in bondage. I think the why, why we fill our schedules, why we commit to all of these things is because we need to do more. And that more is going to give us meaning give us significance, give us fulfillment. It's going to scratch an itch that we've got. And I want to leverage that that, we're in bondage. We're in bondage to this drive. We're in bondage to our productivity. If it's like, I've got to do all this, I've got to work 60 hours, like I need to do more so that I am more, so that I'm enough. I need to be entertained. I need to, do, like, I need to constant stimulation because we're afraid that if we don't do anything, something's going to be wrong with us. We need to have enough. We need to be enough. Parents, I'm curious. If you like, get to this moment where you just sit down for five minutes and it's like, okay, I'm not doing anything, and that guilt starts to rise up. Ah, oh, but the kids need this or oh, the dishes aren't done. I'm like, Do you feel that? Do you feel that drive like I've always got to be doing something? I've always got to be busy. I've always got to have more, do more, be more. I think what's happening here is that we are bound to this lie. That to be enough, we've got to do enough. 
This is driving us as a culture. This is true all around us. We're all about efficiency and fast and more. Like, that's the American spirit, right? Like, we've got to have all that we can. We've got to fill our schedule. We've got to fill our time. Like, this, this is being fed to us. Oh, I've got to have and do more. I, I suspect we're in bondage to this. This is what's going on for us in our culture. And, and maybe you wouldn't say, like, yeah, I, I don't think that. If you look at your calendar, you review like how you spent your time, I wonder if that's like, oh, you know what? There it is. We may not think it, but man, it's driving us down here. I want to contend that we are in bondage to our time, to the lie that we've got to do more, we've got to be more, we've got to have more. I think that's our reality. What does Sabbath have to do with this? If we're in bondage, if this is true, like what does Sabbath have to do? Is this just like, okay, I'm just not going to do? Like, is that really what's happening here? I think, no, I think there's more going on. I want you to look at something. Back to chapter 5, verse 15. After we're told to observe the Sabbath and who gets to participate, here's the reason why. Remember, you were slaves. The Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves. You were bound to oppressors. You were subjugated. You were in slavery. You were slaves. But then, God rescued you with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. He came and pulled you out. Remember that you were slaves. Now no longer. You've been rescued. You've been set free. So what does the rest of verse 15 say? Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to celebrate the Sabbath. To observe the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath day. You were slaves. You are now no longer. Keep the Sabbath. What God is talking about here is that you are no longer in bondage. You are now free. Sabbath, Sabbath is not something you got to do. Sabbath is for free people. Think about it. Like back in Egypt, they were slaves. They, they didn't get to decide to take a day off. They were told what they had to do. You are going to work. You're going to keep building bricks. You're going to make more of what we're asking you. Like, you have to do what we tell you. You're a slave. God rescues them. They no longer have slave masters. And now they are free to rest. Sabbath is for free people. The practice of Sabbath is a statement of freedom. God's reminding them of this. If you go back in Exodus 20, where we're first given the command, uh, keep the Sabbath day. There God says the same thing, observe the Sabbath, and it goes for everybody. And the reason is, God worked six days to build creation. And on the seventh, he rested to enjoy it. And he didn't need to, to rest as in like, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I need to take a break. Like no, he, he rested to enjoy. That's what God did, and he set the pattern. It's like, I want the same for you. But here, 
on the other side of the wilderness wanderings, on the other side of Exodus. The reason is still true, like yes, God's built this rhythm, but then he says, you were slaves, and now you're free. Observe the Sabbath. Sabbath is for free people. So for us, we're not in physical slavery, but sometimes we can be in spiritual slavery. All of these things that we've kind of talked about, we're driven by an idea. We're driven or bound to this lie. We've got to do more, have more, be more. So I'm going to fill my time. I've got to try harder. I've got to, I've got to build in all that I can in my week. This is a lie. It's a lie that Jesus came to set us free from. You see, Jesus would come. He would eventually declare himself Lord of the Sabbath. We're going to look at that. He says, I'm the Lord of Sabbath. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And I'm the one who's going to bring Sabbath to fulfillment. See, what you see in the Old Testament is this ongoing progression of understanding Sabbath in deeper and deeper ways. Yeah, it's a day to rest, to cease from work, to be oriented to the Lord. But it's a day that symbolizes freedom. Hmm. It's a day that symbolizes trust. It's a day that symbolizes our identity in the Lord. It's a day that symbolizes we now find ourselves fulfilled in Jesus. See, Jesus would come, and he would come to set us free. He died on the cross to release us from the lie that we have to do more. This is sin. It's brokenness. It's not the way things are supposed to be. He came to set us free from that. Jesus steps onto the scene to say, you are now free from this. Be the free person you are. Sabbath is an expression of that. So when we pledge ourselves to Jesus, we receive from him our identity, who we are, our status, our fullness, our fulfillment. In Jesus, we are enough. The lie that we have to do more, be more, have more is now dispelled, destroyed. We are set free from that. This is what Jesus came to do. Sabbath is an embodiment of that. So, we don't have to work 60 hours. We don't have to fill our time with every little detail. We don't have to put something in every slot on our calendar. We don't have to just like do all of this stuff. We're free from that. We are free to rest, to Sabbath. And that is the good that Sabbath can bring. Sabbath allows us to be the free people that we are. That's what it expresses in us. And so I think what's happening when we practice Sabbath is that we're unlearning our old patterns and learning our new. We're unlearning these old ways of, of doing life, of, of having to do more, be more, you know, like all of this stuff. We're unlearning all that. We're unlearning the sin pattern that it is. You know, in the Old Testament especially, you see over and over again the, the, the call to avoid idols. Don't worship idols. Don't bow down to them. We, we don't do that. We don't have literal statues that we're worshiping. But we still have our idols. We still have the things that we, like, orient our lives to and, and give our lives to. We're bound to them. Sabbath helps us unlearn our idol dependency. 
It allows us to move away from that and to trust in the Lord. So we don't have to be productive all the time. We don't have to fill our, our schedules with all kinds of stuff. We don't have to put our kids in every little thing. We don't have to give in to all that. Our worth, our significance, our meaning does not come in all that we do, in all of our time. Sabbath is an expression to live in that, where we relearn the ways of God, relearn our identity, relearn who we are in him. We no longer say like, okay, I got to do it all. God has done it all. I have to do more to be enough. I am enough in him. I have to get that next promotion, then life will be full. Your life is full now in Jesus. This is the way that Sabbath works in our lives. This practice helps us to embody our freedom in Christ. So that's the good news of what this is all about. Sabbath is not a, is not a command, it's like you better keep it or else. Sabbath is a, is a call to step into what God has for us. The end of the chapter in verse um, in 28 and 29 in Deuteronomy uh, God is kind of responding to all of the laws, all of the commands, and and he's saying these words, excuse me, 29 and 30. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me, to respect and honor me, and to keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. This is a promise. If you do this, this is going to go well for you. This is freedom. This is the good news of Sabbath. So, you're hearing all this like, okay, yes, how do I do it? Or what do I do to begin to walk towards this? I have two thoughts for you, two two takeaways that I want to offer to you by way of how do we step into this in a meaningful, intentional kind of way. So, number one is to take an inventory. And what I mean by that is to, to evaluate what's going on here for me when it comes to my time. So I've got four questions I want to just throw out to you to help you kind of know what the reality is. How do we take an inventory of like, what's what's driving me here? So number one, what gets your time? Simply that. Like when when you look at your calendar, what do you see? What takes the majority of your time? I'll, I'll contend with you like where we put our time, where we put our money, our attention, these things are valuable to us whether we consciously think that or not. So if you look at your calendar, it's like, wow, it's a lot of this. Maybe I value that. Maybe it's work for you. It's like, oh man, I, I've, I work, I've got to work, and I, it's expected of me. Well, what's going on underneath that? What's getting your time? You know, it's like my kids, man, I need them to be in, in all the activities they want to be in, and they're going to be on five travel teams. Like, what's motivating that? What's getting your time? Or, or for you, if it's like, man, I just need my alone time. Like, I need to make sure I'm building into my hobbies. Like, those are good things, but what's getting your time? And why are you giving it your time? Now, again, to be clear, none of these things, work, travel, sports, hobbies, like, none of these things are wrong or bad, but they indicate something. If you're giving yourself to them, if they're taking too much time, that may say something. So just evaluate, what gets your time? The second question, what causes guilt 
when you think about your time. Like, go back to that parenting moment. It's like, okay, I just need five minutes. And it's like, I'm starting to feel guilty about sitting here. Like, where is that? Where do you feel guilt? If you're just sitting and kind of doing nothing for a moment, what immediately you begin to run to? It's like, oh, I got to get the dishes done or, or shoot this thing at work. Like, what do you run to in your quiet? What do you run to when you don't have anything? Where do you feel guilty if you're not doing it? There's something there. There's value underneath that. What is it that's driving you? Where is their guilt? Pay attention to that. Number three, what's in the way of rest? So if you're like, I want to rest, I want to take a break, but man, I just can't because. Well, what's that because? What's that thing that keeps showing up consistently and getting in the way? What is it for you that just seems to be a barrier? Name that. Identify that. Like say like, okay, what's, what's getting in the way? What's causing me not to rest? Now, in all of this, you probably have a picture of what rest looks like. And sometimes it's good and sometimes maybe it needs adjustment. What I'm not saying is like Sunday you need to be at church and that's rest and Sabbath. Like Sabbath can look a few different ways. It can be different for you versus another person. Rest is about refreshment. It's about resting in your identity with the Lord. It's about what gives you life and filling. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the coming weeks. But what we're not saying is like it's got to look in a certain way. I got to be at church, then I got to do a Bible study. And it's like, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe there's other components too. I would just contend with you like when you feel like I want rest or I'm, I'm longing for that and something's getting in the way, name that thing. What's that barrier? Okay, and then number four, we're talking about all these things that are like overproductive and overloading your schedules. Well, what about the other side? Are you resting a little too much? Now, what I mean by this is, is not so much like, oh, you've got a 36-hour Sabbath. Like, that's not what I mean. What I'm saying is like, oh, man, you know what? I need to rest. I've got too much, so I'm just going to cut everything out. And, and I'm going to just be me, and I need my self-care. It's like, don't talk to me. Like, leave me alone. Like that. That's what I mean. Are you resting too much? Is it one of those things where it's just like, man, I, I cut everything out, and I, just, I, need, I need my time, my time with the Lord? Like, is there the opposite problem? Is it that swing the other way where it's just resting too much? I want to contend with you that these two things, these extremes, are still one and the same. They're still driving at something. There's still something that's saying like, oh, I need this to be enough, to have enough. What is that for you? What's driving you? Is it I need to do more, have more, be more, or more like, Lord, I'm resting with you. This is who I am. Those are two very different things. So do you rest too much? Do you kind of drive after that too much? I just offer you these four questions to take an inventory. What's the reality for you right now? As we're starting this series, like what are the things that are getting in the way? We just want to surface those. We want to name them. I'd encourage you, write them down and just see. All right, so all that's number one. Number two, a little bit more simple. Start where you are. Wherever you are, whatever you're already doing, start there and take one step. That's my challenge for you. 
to look at your, your schedule, look, take this inventory, evaluate where everything is, and say, all right, what's one small thing that I can do to move towards Sabbath? Maybe for you, it's literally just one hour. One hour Saturday morning. Whole family's going to wake up, and we're just going to say, well, no, no devices. We're going to set our phones, no TVs. We're just going to be together. Maybe we'll read a Bible story, sure, but we're, we're going to choose a posture of rest. We're not going to fill that time with anything. No chores, no responsibilities. Like, we are just, we're going to be together. We're going to enjoy the family. We're going to enjoy the Lord. Maybe it's one hour. Or maybe it's a, a morning, you know, a four-hour window, like eight to noon or something. Where, where are you right now? And what's one step you can take? What's one step that you can embody Sabbath just a little bit more? Now, maybe for you, you already are practicing a Sabbath. Like you've got your day and, and it's, a, it's a solid day. You're, you're committed to it and it's a regular practice for you. What does it look like for you to take that a notch further? Because one thing we're going to see is that Sabbath is not just a day, but it's a lifestyle. It's a way of being. How can you bring Sabbath into your work? Now, what I'm not saying is like you're not doing your work. I'm saying like how can you be in that restful posture no longer striving and driving towards productivity, but rather be content, at peace. That is Sabbath. How do you bring that in? Name where you are. Start with where you are and take one step and choose it intentionally. Don't just be like, well, okay, we're just gonna kind of watch a movie or whatever. Like, no, choose something that is meaningful, life-giving for you. Take that step. And as we dive into this series further, we're going to kind of flesh this out. What are, what are the things that we can build into Sabbath that make it the helpful practice that it is? So, bringing this all together, here's the big idea I want you to see. is that Jesus, he sets us free in Sabbath. This practice, it's a freedom-oriented thing. We're set free from our idols, the, the things that we cling to, these drives that move us. Sabbath undoes the power within them. So will you practice it? Will you give yourself to this practice, this exercise of being who you are and trusting God to give you what you need? Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's just a start of a couple of hours. But feel the freedom that Sabbath can bring. Because that's what Jesus has done. He has set us free in Sabbath. Would you join me in a word of prayer?